How's it going, Chasers? I hope you're having a kick-ass week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Adventures in Homebrewing, a kick-ass brick and mortar but also online store that'll supply you with all of your needs for beer making wine making cider making uh mead making even probably if you want to haven't checked that i'm guessing they do it (laughs) Uh, but yes also distilling supplies as well and the best part is if you're in most parts of america uh, they have pretty reasonable free shipping rates depending on how much you spend in the store so if you want to check them out and get some great products at good pricing with reliable service you can go to homebrewing.org ctc that'll take you to their specials page you can check out what's on special and browse from there this podcast is also brought to you by gladfield malt kick-ass malt grown and malted right here in new zealand i love this stuff and i use it all the time if you don't know who they are and you don't know what i'm talking about you can go to gladfieldmalt.co.nz to check them out and lastly the show is brought to you by chasethecraft.com a couple of things to let you know about on this topic uh, number one the chase the craft coins and pins are back in store and available again online and now they're shipping out of america not new zealand uh, so if shipping to your location was a bit of a problem beforehand it might be a little bit different and better for you now and second we now have rocks glasses as well guys those of you uh, looking on youtube version of this uh, podcast will be able to see me holding them up right now for those of you on spotify or anything like that um sorry go to chasethecraft.com and check them out but we have two designs uh, one is a slightly smaller fits in the hand a little easier uh, and the second is the more old school big thick base straight sides uh, and a little bit chunkier if that sounds like something you're into you can check them out at chasethecraft.com today's guests are from sydney australia and they realized that a silly amount of really good bread was going completely to waste because it wasn't selling they also realized that you can mash and ferment bread so hang 10 distillery was born their very first gin a baker's dozen which is an awesome name for a gin like this is really not a traditional gin at all and honestly if you went into tasting it expecting a traditional gin you'd probably be quite disappointed instead it is a really really interesting beverage that at its core does a really awesome job of honoring that original bread that they used to create the gin and is kind of the the foundation of the concept of the distillery itself so let's get stuck into this podcast with Irene and Dion from Hang 10 Distillery Dion and Maureen, thanks for doing this, guys. It's awesome to be able to talk to you finally. It took a little while to get this set up, and uh, we had a, a bottle go missing <laughs> somehow. Uh, but thanks for getting this over to me. I'm really excited to try it. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for Thank you for having us. Absolute pleasure. So I am going to pour myself a drink. <laughs> should I make a cocktail first out of this, or should I just have it straight up? No, you should definitely try it straight up first. Straight up, yeah. Try it straight up. To get all, all right. the flavors. Cool. I'll have a little like this. Uh, so, i got to ask, guys, uh, what is the deal with making gin out of old bread? Why? Yeah. Well, we basically wanted to start a company that does something for the environment, something that's actually meaningful. Um, and we wanted to use uh, surplus food to make a product. Um, originally, the idea we actually had was um, uh, there was a documentary called War on Waste, 
And in that, they were throwing away uh, tons and tons of bananas or fruits because the supermarkets didn't like the shape. Uh, mm. Then later on, I saw another, like a documentary on um, like a, a gin or an alcohol they were making in Uganda from bananas. And I'm just like, oh, well, they're throwing away a lot of bananas and these guys are making alcohol of bananas. It's like, well, you know, there's a solution to that problem. <laughs> So that's how we got started. Yeah, totally. So yeah. this might, this is kind of an ignorant question on my point of view, but um, what is the benefit of actually using the bread as opposed to throwing it out? Yeah, so uh, when it turns into food waste, when they send it to the, the dump, it actually starts breaking down and gives off a lot of methane. Mm. And it actually mm. adds to carbon emissions. And methane is uh, 21 times worse than like um, carbon dioxide. So uh, the the less food that we waste, the less like carbon emissions get emitted from that rotten food. Mm. Um, I mean, sure, there's a little bit of carbon emissions using the still. Um, however, that's still far better than making it just off like general neutral. So we're reducing uh, a local business's food waste here. Yeah, and we're actually generating something commercial out of that. And bread is also like one of the most wasted products that you can have, especially with the local businesses here. Unfortunately, they have to make uh, a bit more than they need, and what they sell is not all of it. So, unfortunately, they have a huge waste. And in Australia, the waste food waste problem is is pretty big. There's way more food than. We all need um, in Australia, so it's kind of yeah, trying to kind of offload that from the business and try to do a little bit of what we can to to yeah, reduce mm. carbon emissions and still have something nice to drink. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, people are going to drink gin anyway, right? So yeah. why not drink this gin? That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I mean, it's tricky with something like bread, isn't it? Because it's a product that no one's going to buy stale bread. That's mm, right. No. Like. You, you, you ha I mean, especially when it's artisan, it's not something that's been, you know, sitting in a bag and it can sit on the shelf for a week. Yeah. You make it that day, you sell it that day, maybe that afternoon, maybe the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. It's it's done. And as a business, it, I, I can understand it because it, it makes more sense to make more, slightly more than you can sell yeah. for the days when you do sell, you know, when you do sell out as opposed to reducing the amount you make. So I get it, but yeah, the, it is kind of crazy when you see the amount of food that just ends up in the yeah. tip. It's, it's, uh, it's bonkers. So it's cool. Uh, I, I mean, this is really interesting. Uh, I, I want to say that I can not so much smell, but taste the influence of bread. Mm. But, but... I'm very interested to see what else you put in there uh, and whether or not I'm just making that up because uh, I see that on your website and on the bottle too, I think you have, what is it? Jamaican pepper. Yes. Is that right? That's right. Yes. What the Sam Hill is Jamaican pepper? Cause maybe that's what I'm tasting. <laughs> also known as allspice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we're onto something. <laughs> because it is i was gonna say that the reason i was doubting myself is it, it it reminds me of really really dark um 
rye bread is the flavor that I, I'm getting from it that reminds me of bread. And all it's, the pictures I've seen of what you're making, it's it's not really dark stuff. No. It depends on what the, the baker's got left over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I, I really want to talk to you about that and get onto that as well. But um, okay, I'm thinking that what I'm tasting is, is, is allspice. Do you have cinnamon in there at all? No cinnamon. We don't, but we, okay. a lot of people um, told us they thought there was cinnamon. So I think it's like the blend of spices kind of give that cinnamon gingery um, taste. But it actually isn't in there. But that's pretty cool to see that. It kind of tastes like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. The first thing I um when it when it turned up it turned up at like nine o'clock in the morning. So of course the first thing I did was pop the top and have a little swig straight out of the bottle. <laughs> um, but then I put it on the shelf and waited until my wife got home and we tried it together and we both said um, cinnamon straight off the bat and then sort of thought it's kind of like cinnamon but not really. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very very interesting. So. I'm interested to hear what your process is from turning the bread into gin uh, from a geekery point of view, yeah. but I'm also interested to hear what that process is um, to see whether or not there is the possibility that some of the characteristic of the bread's coming through and whether you think that that's happening. Um, yeah. So I don't know how much you can or can't tell us about that. So feel free to uh, yeah, well, go into what you can. <laughs> We're all about uh, reducing food waste, so it doesn't actually make sense for us to, to hide our process from anyone else. So if someone else can do the same process, I think that's you know better for the environment anyway. So we're happy to share. Um, yeah, definitely the, the taste of bread. Bread was actually one of the uh, ingredients that we used to, in the gin basket, so we did put a few Oh, on. really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. So I'm not crazy thinking that I'm getting some sort of... <laughs> Because I, I, I have to say, guys, like if I bought this bottle expecting a traditional gin, yeah, yeah, I would be grossly disappointed. Well, not disappointed, but surprised. So it's definitely not a traditional gin. No, right? it's not traditional at all. This is really far left field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit. You put you put bread in the gin basket. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> so how else are you using the bread? Like, what's the what's the deal here? All right, so uh, we actually have too much bread. We, we can't process enough of it because we don't have our own warehouse uh, where we live. So we can't actually process enough of the bread yet. Or we're trying to scale up, but there's a lot of red tape and loopholes to jump through. So, um, But, yeah, we pick up the bread from the local bakeries down the road. Um we basically either break it up or slice it up uh, at, a, at the brewery. And we actually run it in the mash with, with grain. So we've got barley in there and the sourdough bread. Uh, we run it the same as you would as another mash for distilling. Uh, and then it's all fermented out. Uh, and then we run it through stripping still and then spirit still and then the third time through gin, gin run. So. Okay, so it's it's a pretty standard or traditional sort of method in terms of fermenting your own alcohol and then making gin out of it. It's just that you're using bread yep, with yep. it is the is the the big difference. You're using it as a what a source of starch? Yeah, and what percentage of the fermentables are you using for bread, or are you using the bread for, uh, or does that change dramatically depending on what you've got? <laughs> Um, 
Well, it, yeah, well, we started off with uh, it's a quarter of the grain bill and we're, we're just slowly increasing it. It also depends on how much bread we've actually got available to us at the time of brewing because we don't have a fridge to store it um, to wait until the brewery's ready to run it. So it's kind of a mm. bit of a balancing act between when it's ready to go and when it's not. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple... We picked up a lot of bread and we had it ready to go, but the, there was a delay in the brewing process, so all the bread went moldy. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I think refrigeration might. Yeah. Okay. To clarify, like, we don't use moldy bread to no. make this gin. No. Um, usually we, <laughs> we had a few people ask, but no, usually we have, like, a, like one to two days window of, like, having still fresh bread to make it, yeah. but unfortunately it can't be sold to the public but yeah if if we right. get any more than that then it's hard to process that bread in a fresh yeah. kind of fresh state so yeah we just mm. we don't use moldy bread just no. a disclaimer <laughs> the particular baker we work with only sell he only sells fresh bread on the day and he throws away his entire stock each day so there's actually a lot of bread yeah, right on them so i kind of get the feeling that um you you almost need to be flexible out of necessity. Otherwise it would kind of ruin the point, right? Like the, the whole point is to use what isn't being used elsewhere. And if people knew exactly what wasn't being used elsewhere on a consistent basis, it wouldn't be going to waste, right? Is that kind of a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. At the moment, we don't have the capacity to, to process the amount of bread that we can get. Um, we are trying to scale up, but yeah, we're just, it's a bit hard at the moment. <laughs> warehouse space and yeah right so, yeah totally so are you you're not brewing uh on site like you're contract brewing with someone else is that kind of the vibe i'm getting at the moment we are yeah yeah that's correct okay yeah. cool we don't have the space or the equipment with ourselves yet yeah yeah so like you said you're kind of at the mercy of their brewing schedule yep to fit yeah yeah, yeah. unfortunately that's kind of the way we can go at the moment but it's also like a good way for us to get started where we get we can get to the point where we can have our own place and warehouse so um it is a bit like you said earlier we have to be like super flexible with it but it's kind of also a mm. good thing because you know it just makes it a bit more fun <laughs> yeah oh i get it man and the 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 equipment commitment up front if you just wanted to do it all yourself is just intense yeah it's i get it and i think uh it's pretty cool that you guys are a like actively fermenting something do you know what i mean you're not just buying in yeah. ngs and then sticking bread in the gin basket or something it's it's actually a meaningful thing it's not just a a token gesture you know, for marketing purposes, uh, that's cool. And you're doing the distilling yourself. Um, so do, do you want to talk us through the equipment that you're running and how you're doing it on that side of things? Um, yeah, some of the equipment we can't talk about, but uh, we're basically, it's the same as uh, gypsy distilling. We're using someone else's equipment to um, produce the, the gin. So you do a stripping run. So we're, we're getting about a thousand liters of wort from the brewery that's fermented on at the distillery and then everything's run mm -hmm. through the distillery. Uh, stripping through a, a column still and then again it's just changed the plates for the next for the spirit run um, 
and then yeah, you change the configuration again to do a gin basket for the final run. And that's the, the main. Yeah, groovy. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, this is really interesting. It's kind of I'm, I'm sitting here and having a sip and trying to concentrate on the conversation, but also trying to pull this apart. And there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Okay. It's it's always interesting interesting to me when I get a spirit that's um, how do you put it? There's no uh, there's no like starting point for me. It's not like I can go, oh, this is just like X, Y, and Z. But mm. do you know what I mean? It's it's really hard to to place it. Mm. Well, this this is um, going to be a limited one. Yeah. We are we're going to run. We are making a classic, which will be. Uh, I guess suit most people's flavor profile better. This is a very unique yeah. one that you need to do because of the bread in the first place. So. Yeah. I think it's cool, man. If you're gonna, I mean, why not, right? Why not go out there and do something different that, because it is interesting to me that you say that you put bread in the bread basket, but uh, in the grain basket, but it, it, it honestly does remind me of bread. Like yeah. it's got this, this weird earthy, and I say weird when I'm, thinking gin which is yeah, you know, yeah. normally yeah. botanicals and then super clean and it's um but the, the flavor profile comes over almost like a whiskey there's yeah. you know there's a lot of um earthiness sitting like down much lower in the in the cut of the in the flavor stack than you'd normally get flavor in a gin there's flavor yeah. sitting in that place where you would expect just neutral but mm -hmm. um it's, yeah, so it's, it's kind of bizarre it's probably a little bit um, leaning towards the Geneva, which is whiskey. Right. So yeah, you know, right. say that the flavor profile that you're just touching on, there's, there's a bit of a savory profile that would be like a similar to a whiskey. That's the grain that you can taste. Yeah. And I think the bread and the grain have kind of joined together in that flavor profile that you can taste. Yeah. Um, and then it, the apple is the main part. That's it, yeah. So the spices. The what, sorry? There's Apple. apple? Oh really? Yes, yeah. that's one of the that's the main fruit flavor <laughs> that's hiding in the middle. <laughs> but you nailed it! Like it, it, it does give a really earthy flavor. Hmm. I'm really. I. I, I must. I, I. have had. Well, I, I mean, as you can see, I've <laughs> been at it a little bit, and I had a couple of uh, gin and tonics yeah. the other night. But that was with uh, crappy. Um. You know, generic tonic. Oh. You guys suggested drinking it with this, right? Yeah. The um, Fever Tree Mediterranean. Yeah. Uh, I don't have ice out here, but I am going to give one of these a nudge. It's so crazy to me uh, how many people drink gin and tonic, like me, and they get really, really nice gin and then put like really, really horrible tonic. Well, I also don't mind some some plain tonics as long as they don't have too much flavors in it, like too much lemon or stuff. The, the plain one's actually quite good because it leaves the flavor to the gin, whereas some tonics, on the other hand, are trying to pack in all the flavor in the tonic. So I guess it depends. You just match, mix and match and find the right one that matches the gin or what you I think I think that's it. Yeah, which is why I was very happy to get a specific um, recommendation from you guys. Yeah. I think to me the the hold on. <laughs> mm. I think to me uh, a lot of the tonics I end up drinking they don't have a really decent bite at the end of it. That bitterness, mm. you know, they're just kind of weak, yeah. and they end up tasting real um, 
yeah, just empty with gin. Uh, so I have lemon, I have orange, and I have lime. Do you guys have a suggestion on citrus with tonic or just nothing? Um, just like, just tonic is really good, but I'd say out of those, two, I would go with orange, but maybe taste it without the orange first. That is so much better than the crap that I was drinking it with the other night. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah. It makes a oh, huge well, Okay, this is, yeah, it really does. Yeah. So once again, it's this, uh, I don't want to just keep talking about the gin for ages because I've got lots of other interesting things to ask you, but it's, it's just bizarre. Like if someone served this to me and said it's a gin and tonic, I don't know if I would believe them. Mm, that's true. No, it's an oddball. Mm. It's obscure. <laughs> an obscure gin and tonic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I have to ask, have you considered doing a... Um, I won't say a neutral because I can't imagine that would be fun at all, but basically just a bread flavored vodka. Mm. Um, no, I haven't considered it. Oh, sorry. We considered it slightly, but yeah. there's a lot of effort and a lot of um, uh, time going into it. And you don't, I don't think the sales, you can't really make that much money out of it because of the competition that you're up against. So, okay. hmm. Right. I don't think so it's because worth... you guys are actually carry on. Sorry. Oh, I just we're not sure it's worth the time and effort to do that to actually make it a viable product at this point. But we're not sure yet. Yeah. yeah right. So basically, because you guys are um, actually fermenting product by yourself, the economy of scale is all out of whack, and turning it into a gin adds value to the product. Is that what you're saying? So. Like it's easier for you to compete with as a craft gin than mm. it is to be just like a weirdly flavored vodka. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. 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 I can feel you on that. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Vodka is a whole other thing, but we're still like thinking about it and considering it. But I think uh, rather than going vodka, I would probably go a different gin or um, you're making whiskey as well at the moment um but we're, yeah. we're kind of um experimenting a few different things so yeah well we wanted to make whiskey so. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool and so you are putting bread in the fermental in the fermentables for the whiskey oh, yeah. as well oh yeah yeah yep. that's very very cool and does uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know at all what the Excuse me, I've got gin and tonic burps going on over here. I don't know at all what the uh, Australian regulations are on what you are and are not allowed to call whiskey. Is there anything there that is uh, an issue for you? Bread is basically a grain. Yeah. So there's no issues. Cool. Yeah, no problem. The only thing is you have to wait two and a half years till you can yeah, call that's... it whiskey. That's the only biggest requirement. <laughs> and being yeah, right. Yeah. That's a good point, actually, because it's it's literally grain, water, and yeast. Yep, it's just grain, uh, salt. Maybe yeah, salt. Yeah, right. Well, fine. Mm. I mean, plenty of plenty of whiskey places put salts in their water, right, to treat the. That's true. The mm. water, so it changes. I guess it's just the same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, guys, if you're listening to this, we've got a slightly weird, uh, just just enough delay to not quite show, know when uh, each other stop talking. So we apologize for that, but <laughs> it is the way it is. <laughs> um, so how far through that whiskey process are you? Like, do you have stuff in a barrel yet? Yes. Yeah, we've got one barrel. And I got another another IBC ready to get uh, stripped as we speak. So That is very cool. Also, I have to imagine uh, a fairly large leap of faith, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a lot of money to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are going to be interested in this, so feel free to go into this in, in detail. Like, this is actually something I think people will be interested in. Yeah, like how much of a leap of faith is that for you in terms of just going out? Because, I mean, you on one end of the scale, you're doing gin, right, which is... Yeah. You make it, you bottle it, you're good to roll, pretty much. So, yeah. what what well, what's your experience with the whiskey so far? <laughs> uh, well, so far, well, you've got regulations with um, storage of alcohol and production of alcohol. So, we have to have a distillery that will make it for us or store it there. So, we have to actually rent space from the distillery to store the alcohol until it's ready we can't actually purchase that um, barrel that we've got. We can't pick that up and take it home. It's not something you can, you can do because it's, um, you've got tax issues and whatnot. So you don't actually pay the tax on that alcohol until that leaves the store in bottles or smaller vessels. You can't actually take a whole barrel. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a process. But we're, we're very unique in the fact that to set up to have your own distillery, it costs you, you know, half a million, a million or more in just equipment and everything set up. So by doing gypsy distilling, by using other people's equipment, it, it costs a little bit more to do the production side, um, but we don't have the massive overhead capital. Yeah, right. And you don't have that overhead cap continuing. Correct. Um, if you're not producing, right? As opposed to mm -hmm. if you just bought a facility and... Yep. Yeah, you, you, you keep paying overheads on everything yeah, <laughs> until we're you... Not, we're not paying rent on a warehouse at the moment. So that that gives us the opportunity to work on the quality of the product instead of just trying to push the product to pay rent. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. And I guess the same thing's true when the, the decisions need to be made in terms of how long the stuff sits in a barrel too, right? It's not like, right, it's two years and one day old. It's in a bottle today. <laughs> you can kind of make decisions around quality. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, so we were talking, I think, before we started, right? And uh, Maureen, you designed the labels for this. That's right. I designed pretty much everything, the labels, um, artwork on the back, um, the website, the whole brand identity, basically. Um, so, yeah, my background is uh, I'm a professional designer and I run my own design business and I've been working uh, in the design industry for the past, I think, six, seven years now. Uh, and, yeah, worked with a lot of different brands and very different from, like, tourism to um, hospitality and cafes um, and worked a little bit with alcohol brands but never actually had the chance to build something from the ground like that and especially a gin bottle and that was actually 
not an easy process because there's so many genes out there and you're kind of your own client, so you can kind of do whatever you want as well. <laughs> so it was yeah. it took a while to to get that final bottle, but I think yeah, when we nailed it we were very happy with how it looked like. So <laughs> Yeah. It has yeah, it has a very low key but classy feel to it. Thank you. Uh, and I saw oh my word, these notifications, my word. Microsoft Surface, what are you doing to me? Uh yeah, I saw on your website too that you sort of sort of, like you directly say that a lot of it's um inspired by the surf and cafe culture. Yes. And that's exactly the kind of chill vibe that I get. It's 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 very Perfect. um awesome. It's, yeah, it's not old school, mm. but it's uh it's nostalgic for old school, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the old the old Malibu days, that kind of you know, the, the big double triple um stringer, big <laughs> donkey dork board kind of things. Um yeah, I don't know, it's cool, man. That's uh, a lot of uh, my dad's really into this kind of thing. He makes, um, he shapes and glasses yeah, surfboards okay. semi-professionally. Like you'll make them and sell them, but mostly for himself. And this is very much his, his aesthetic. <laughs> uh, so it's got like an extra special place for me. But I, it's funny, I almost what I heard you say there is that, um, how do you put it? When it's your field, you can't bullshit yourself, right? Yes. You, you see, like, I see other people do stuff that, you know, if you actually know about it, you can't just sort of naively luck your way into it and make it work. So I could imagine that this was a much, it was probably a much bigger and more involved process for you because you really knew what was at stake <laughs> and how much you actually have to do to create a brand than someone else who's just like, eh, I'm going to distill some gin. I need a logo. Yeah. You know. Yes, that's so true. You totally nailed it. Like it's, yeah, it's it's so ironic when you think about it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not an easy process, but it's very rewarding when you get to that yeah, point. I guess if you if you're paying for each revision too, you're just like, no, no, that's good. <laughs> but if we're doing the design ourselves, we can change it a bit more freedom. Yeah, so, <laughs> be happy with it. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, and you've got like because it's so because it is so um clean you've got so much room to expand out into all the other products you know i could easily see this becoming because because that's the thing right like in a lot of ways you kind of need to brand gin and whiskey differently but then you need a brand you know like a a consistent theme running through the brand as well Um, so i can see you being able to do that easily with this yeah it's almost like you've done this before maureen (laughs) 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 yeah no, that's totally the goal have you ever designed stuff for yourself before um have you ever oh like as in for my own company or yeah yeah Yeah. i mean for for my own business i do a lot of illustrations and um Mostly illustrations, yeah, yeah and um, artworks and I did my own websites and everything. So it's a bit more on the art side. Like I'd love to be able to do, you know, some T-shirts and stuff. But once again, it's like a time and cost thing. But, um, yeah, I, I did a yeah, little totally. bit. Yeah, like the distillery is like the perfect playground to create all of this. And, yeah, we did some T-shirts for merchandise and I'm sure we'll do more products in the future and, 
yeah, it's awesome because like I can really play creatively within the brand to do many things. So and talking of um, making your own surfboard, she designed the uh, pattern or the inlay that we did on a board that we made together. So oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh cool. We, we dabble in making our own boards, long boards, and yeah. just for fun. So we're not selling. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right and it's awesome um so what do you do dude like what's your day uh, job profession well, my uh background was uh, acoustics so like audio engineering and acoustic um consulting uh but cool. I, I grew sick of working in an office nine to five uh, for, for the last 12 years so i got pretty sick of it and i was looking for a way out so this is kind of my way out um so we're, built, we're building a tiny house uh, part-time. Oh, okay. We're yeah. building this business as well part-time. So it's <laughs> quite a lot going on at the moment. That is, that is brutal. <laughs> and I, I feel like this is the cheesiest question ever right now, but I feel like I have to ask it because you guys do have so much going on. How did all of this go down with COVID? Like, oh, how was the timing? It actually worked out really good. Yeah. Uh, because it got rid of, well, we do like social events, but all the social events went quiet. So we actually yeah. had time to focus on, on the building. <laughs> we didn't have to go to work uh, either for right. a couple of weeks while we got locked, locked well, down. More than a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like during COVID, I lost a bit of work, unfortunately. Like it was a bit of, um, I think a lot of it happened to a lot of people. So it kind of, forced us to slow down and in a way mm -hmm. that slowing down helped us grow the distillery yep. and get to where we are now and also focus on building the tiny house so actually COVID was kind of a silver lining for us <laughs> although yeah. you know it gave us time to yeah. focus on on some some areas that we wouldn't have had as much time to do yeah it worked out yeah, right. I feel you man it's you feel almost guilty saying that, right? Because, you know, like you hear stories of people doing it really rough. And I mean, I know people personally that got hit real hard because of COVID. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There is a there is a factor of just, it, it, it forces you to realize there's things that you can't do anything about, right? If you're stuck yeah. at home, you can't go out no. and look for work or work or whatever. So, you know, I think it's kind of a case of uh, do what you can. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I think if we no, were rent on a warehouse and we had... Um, yeah, a lot of outgo going. Then we'd probably be more stressed in that situation. But thankfully, we didn't have all that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, right. Uh, so one of the other things that you suggested that I try beforehand uh, was dry ginger ale and orange. Yes. Yeah, this I, is my favourite so far. <laughs> I'm digging this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I don't try and swallow it the wrong way, yeah, that's a that's that to me um, that extra hit of ginger kind of marries it all together, and because I don't I, probably also it's just a um, almost like a cognitive dissonance thing too where I don't think I've ever put gin in ginger ale, so I'm not expecting it to be gin in any way. You know, it can just be its own thing. Yeah, I like this. This is really good. I'm gonna, it's Friday night here. Well, for you guys too, right? I don't know what, what day it is for everyone listening. But yeah, but uh, I think I know what I'm going to be doing with my wife when the kids are in bed now. 
<laughs> ginger ale and gin, man. <laughs> it's a good combo, yeah. We've actually developed a few um, cocktails with the gin um, in the last few weeks, so I'm going to um, talk more about those in the next few weeks on our social media and website. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because our gin is so unique that you can't really – you have to try the different flavors and cocktails and see what works, what doesn't. And because like you said earlier, it's so earthy. Um, you kind of have to be careful on the citrus side, but orange works really well, but like just lime or lemon doesn't work as well. So it's kind of interesting to experiment with a few different flavors, but that one is definitely a winner. I think. Yeah. We, we yeah, all, this is really nice. We almost went the um, classical route on the flavor profile. Except I had a, a close friend that I was working at the distillery with, and he he said, "Well, why don't you work with the flavor profile of the actual uh, distillery?" So it had like a savory flavor, a bit of a whiskey flavor. So you, why don't we try and match the flavors to that? And that's how we came up with this particular recipe. That's why. Totally, man. Yeah, yes. and it turns into a talking point too, right? The the flavor of the gin matches the backstory of the gin. It's not, oh, this just tastes like whatever, Seegers, and they happen to throw some bread in it along the way. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the story doesn't match in that scenario, whereas this this does. It's really cool. I dig it. Also, Very we have so. <laughs> 13 ingredients in there to make it a baker's dozen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that's smart. Uh, you mentioned your social before as well. Where do people find... Uh, where do you want to send people to um, find what you're doing? So on Instagram, we're just at hang 10 distillery and 10 is a one zero. Um, we're on Facebook page as well, but yeah, mostly Instagram. Um, and otherwise website on the website, people can sign up to our newsletter. Um, we still have to set that up a bit more, but um, yeah, mostly Instagram. Otherwise it's kind of the way to go these days. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh it's just hang10.com, isn't it? Hang10 um, distillery? Hang10distillery.com.au or Instagram hang10distillery and one zero or hang10. Cool, man. Yeah. And uh, where can, like, where is it actually available? Like, can people actually go out and get this? They, they can order online at the moment. Online, yeah. Um, there, is, there is a couple of bars in the city that have it. In Sydney's Northern Beaches and yeah, the city. And we're, we're going to be going around the Northern Beaches soon to talk to bars, but we're just developing the, uh, the business and yeah, yeah, the logistics side. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, mostly online. Um, people can just order on our website and yeah, we ship it mostly to Australia and probably now to New yeah. Zealand. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I. I it never ceases to amaze me the amount of different hats that a distillery owner has to wear, right? <laughs> you've, you've just been talking about design <laughs> and then obviously the distilling, but now sales, marketing, oh. logistics, it's just a never ending. I, yeah, I, I considered it. I considered it when COVID hit and I lost the job. The first thing my wife said to me was right. So we're opening a distillery. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and honestly, man, I sat down and thought about all the stuff that you would have to do, and it was just, mm. I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't make it work in my head, man. Mm. So I, 
I very much, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the amount of work that you guys are putting into this. What have you found the hardest so far out of all of it? Like what's been the, the hardest thing? Well, I think that the hardest thing, which is still a problem for us, is actually finding a location yeah. to actually build a distillery and then getting the permission to do it. Right. So to do it here, you need to get permission from the local council mm. uh, before you even apply uh, for the liquor license through the government. So there's a lot going on. And you also, depends on the area, you also need to do a survey of anyone within like 500 metres or something like that. If they've got any issues with that, you need to like community consultation. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff. I think that's probably the hardest part for me. Yeah, the administration part is hard. Um, I think also like for me, it's because I still have my job Mm that I do every day, it's sometimes hard to find the time. I, I wish I could spend every day on the distillery, but at the moment I can't, and we can't pay ourselves yet either. Yeah. So it's like we're investing a lot of our time, and hopefully in the future we get some kind of return. So, yeah, time management, and as you said, like wearing so many different hats is really hard. Like we're lucky because our skills are very... Um, complementary. Complementary, yeah. So you do a lot of the technical sales part and I do a lot of like the marketing design part so that's really lucky in that sense because I think if we were just one person it would be like extremely hard yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that is very very cool it's cool I mean it's oh it's it's hard right it's it's very cool to be able to do something together but it's also <laughs> it's, it's I don't know man it's it, yeah it's also very stressful <laughs> So the the goal for you guys is to is it almost like market validation at the moment, and then the the end goal is to to bring it as much as you can of the process in house to be able to mash, ferment, distill, macerate, blend, everything. Yeah. 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 So we're just setting it up now. We we're trying to see if it would work, and we've got a product that we can work with. And got a couple other ones in the pipeline. Um, yeah, we just wanted to set that up, see if it's good. And then before you obviously invest too much money into the project, you want to work it out. Yeah. Um, we don't want to yeah. be giant distillery. We don't want to sell to, you know, everyone a million bottles or whatever. <laughs> we just want to make a, a decent product from something we believe in, which is, you know, looking after the environment. So. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And is the, I mean, is the goal for you guys to be able to walk away from the day jobs, you know, in whatever five years or whatever your your timeline is, or is this always, or, or is the plan to have this as a side hustle? Yeah. No, this is the main hustle, but we also don't want it to completely take over our lives. I mean, it, it will to an extent, but yeah, um, we were trying to get a. I, I wanted to get out of the office. Nine to five really wasn't doing it for me, so. This is something that's a bit more dynamic, that's more enjoyable, mm. something I believe in. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think I still yeah. enjoy doing my design work, but um, definitely, like, if, if we see the distillery really growing to a point where I can spend full-time mm. full time work on it, I'd love to do that and then, yep. you know, have free time to just illustrate whatever I want and, you know, have to chase mm. jobs. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, yes. Maybe two or three years. Crossing fingers. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess the cool thing is too, when you, um, <laughs> gypsy distilling, I like that. I've never heard that before. Ah. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I guess the cool thing is too, like you, are, you do actually have a product, right? So you can kind of test your fulfillment channels and everything as well. You can start building a list of clients yeah. without having the bigger overheads. And then when you do start having products like the whiskey come through, you've already got, you know, the 10 bars and restaurants or whatever locally and, you know, maybe a couple of bottle shops or whatever. I don't know what your, your business model is there, but it means you can start exploring those options and um, making some inroads before the product's actually there. So that's that's pretty cool, man. I uh, I respect that. And to be honest, if yeah, that, that was the... the uh, conclusion we came to as well if we were going to do it it'd be the only way to do it that or be millionaires and just be able to buy everything and pay people to run it right yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. i'm not a millionaire i don't know about you guys i get the feeling maybe you're not <laughs> not, yet. <laughs> not yet yeah 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 totally i have to ask is there anyone else doing anything like this that you know of so as far as uh, I know we're the only ones in Australia making a commercial product. I know there was like a one guy messaged me. He, he's doing it in his backyard, like a some sort of thing. Uh, there is a guy over in uh, I think Austria who makes a vodka out of bread. Yeah, um, mm. I've spoken to him a little bit, but I don't know his his process. Uh, so there's a few people around that, that do it. Um, also, some of the inspiration that we got actually came from a beer that they make in the UK called mm. Toast, and that's made from leftover bread as well. Mm. So if they can make a beer, why not make a good gin? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I had a look around just to see, uh, and I couldn't find anything, not a commercial product anyway. No. I'd heard of people, like you said, just doing it kind of for shits and giggles, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I must admit the idea had occurred to me a bunch of times um, when you're constantly looking for video subjects to make anything that is starch or sugar kind of <laughs> you know you walk through the supermarket and go ooh <laughs> um, yeah the idea had kind of uh, jumped to my mind but I hadn't uh, I hadn't put you know put it into action at all uh, do, do you find any, the one thing that kind of I wondered about was um, like stuck sparges or just everything turning to goop. Mm. Do you find that happens? No, because we're using a smaller percentage. But I think if you start pushing over 50% or more, I think you'll see more issues like that. Mm. But um, the enzymes from the, the grain really basically dissolve the bread. The only thing that's left is like right. the crust and, and the um, like the gluten afterwards is really not okay. Fun. Right, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's crazy. I I actually do wonder too if the fact that you you guys are actually using bread, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that the product you're using is actually bread. It's not whatever that Wonder Bread stuff is. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, yeah. So I the think thing we get it from uh, the guy is certified organic. So, and we only use sourdough. And we only use sourdough yeah. from it. So the sourdough tends to last longer because it's got a different pH so before it goes moldy as well. So that was another reason why we use sourdough. Yeah. And I think the quality of the bread really makes a difference if you use yeah, yeah high-quality sourdough uh, compared to, you know, really standard white bread. 
we we might try the white bread down the path. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we wanted to use the high quality bread. Yeah. Have you? I mean, that's an interesting thing too. Have you experimented with different kinds of bread, or was it just literally a crime of opportunity? You had this cool baker in town, and yeah, it was the opportunity. We yeah. we have in the first batch we did run. Uh, there was a few darker loaves, and I think there's some of the flavour of that came through quite well. So I'm going to explore that in future whiskies. Yeah. For the darker bread. Oh yeah, that could be real fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then- yeah, that that real yeah, like um, the real thick crust. Because actually, I hadn't thought of that too. Because you're, it, it is basically grain, but it's also been baked, and the crust is having a whole lot of Maillard reactions, and it's darkening and browning. Yep. So you're basically adding specialty malt to your whiskey too, aren't you? Yeah, it's been toasted. Some one of the breads we had uh, was they had a batch that was burnt. Yes. Um, mm. We didn't actually get to use that one. Uh, we didn't line everything up in time, but it, it smelled amazing. And it, I reckon that's got some potential. So yeah. if they get another burnt batch, we're definitely going to run it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's like coffee malt or special bee or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did the how did the the brewers react to this? I've still got these gin and tonic burps going on here. Sorry, but. Uh, like when you first approach them, it's like, yeah. yo, <laughs> I've got a proposition for you. <laughs> what do they What do they have to say? Basically, the, yeah, the first impression is like, oh, God, here goes another one of these people doing something funny. And then they go, oh, what, bread? They were so interested. Yeah. And like, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. like over my shoulder looking at everything going, oh, wow. And he just really wanted to see what it would do. So our brewer um, in Brookvale, not, not far away, he absolutely loves the idea and, is supporting us all the way, really yeah. helping us, you know, work out different parameters and whatnot. So they love it. That has to be a huge thing, right? Because for for me, the <laughs> gypsy distilling, <laughs> I say love it. But like for me, the biggest, the, the scariest part of all of that is that you're farming out the give a shit factor to someone who might just be getting paid hourly or whatever, you know, like you're, you're handing all of that over to someone else and saying, please actually care. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? About my product that you're making for me because you, you know, like you're not necessarily directly involved all the time. And I have to imagine that, because if you just went to them and said, right, I want you to slap some distiller's malt into your mash tun, mash it for me, throw it out and put it into a tote, we'll ferment it, you know, that, that's one thing, but you roll up and say, "Hey, I've got this idea. It's kind of crazy, but yeah. you know that bakery down the street." Uh, I, like, do you think? Do you think the fact that you actually had a unique idea kind of opened doors a little bit more for you than would have been the case elsewise? Yeah, yeah. for sure, definitely. He, he was really interested in, in it in the process and what yeah. it would do. Um, we also we all got hands on in the whole process, so we, yes. we were actually milling the grain and putting the bread in. Oh, awesome. It, yeah. It showed us around and everything. So it's yeah. been a really good experience. Yeah, we try to be as involved as we can because unfortunately we don't have the equipment yeah. to do it ourselves yet. So yeah, whenever we can put our hands on it, it's good. Yeah. That's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Does that excitement follow through to the sales side of things as well? Like how is, like when you talk to a, a local bar or 
restaurant or bottle store or whatever it happens to be what what's the the reaction to it and i have to imagine that sydney is kind of a cool place to do this right i, I have to imagine the there's the right kind of demographic to be into this sort of thing am i way off base there or there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of places you can talk to and sell to so yeah um, it, the reception's been really good. Everyone's really interested in it. And then they, they taste the flavor and they're like, oh, this is like, not like a normal gin. Yeah. It's like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And plus we've got a story to back it up, which is really cool. Yeah. I think the story side is really important because it's cool that there's so many gins in Australia. And yeah. There's so many distillers and distilleries and it's like amazing that it's such a big industry here, but it's also that, you still have a lot of competition and you could just be another gin. Um, and we didn't want to be just another gin. So I think, yeah, having that quite special story really helps us, um, yeah, sell the product and then people can taste it. And yeah, if they like it, usually they do. <laughs> uh, it makes a difference. But yeah. Yeah, totally. Have you, have you, I, I have to imagine it would be interesting to get this into the hands of a really, really kick-ass mixologist, like someone who really knows what's up with throwing crazy-ass flavors together. Have you been down there? I mean, this has to be on your radar, right? Like, have you had that opportunity yet? Um, we've, we've spoken to a few and we've, we've come up with a, a few things, but we haven't hit someone that's just wanted to grab it and make something crazy with it yet. Yeah. But, but yeah, we have a couple of people that, are looking into it at the moment but yeah if there's like any crazy mixologist person out there that wants to do that yeah. we'd love to yeah. hear from them get, get <laughs> or if you know anyone <laughs> yeah i don't i i mean same thing if there's if there are people out here that know someone i would be very interested to talk to yeah. a mixologist because because it's such a it, it, it's so tangentially related to everything distilling right yeah and yet i'm so far out of that world i just i don't know anything about it i don't know yeah i don't know what i don't know right um so yeah. i kind of feel like being able to talk to someone and pick their brain on it and um mm. get some ideas from it would be really really interesting because at the end of the day uh that i mean it how do you put it it's the ticket to market for so many products, right? Like unless you're literally a, a single malt and a pretty decent single malt, chances are you're going to sell a lot of your product through cocktails <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. And it feels, I don't know, it feels like, yeah, it feels like an afterthought to a lot of um, brands and distilleries, which is weird to me. I don't know. But yeah, obviously you guys are working on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right guys well this has been an absolute blast um before we go uh if there's some crazy people that happen to uh have some basic equipment in their shed slash kitchen slash garage and they were wanting to try to perform some magic like you have here uh, do you have any you know just general advice for how to mess with bread mm. Uh, trial and error, seriously. Yeah. Just have a go. Um, <laughs> start, I would probably start with about a um, quarter um, percent of the bread to grain mix and work your way up. Depends how far you go. Yeah. 
Um, right. And just literally treat it like an all grain whiskey. Pretty much, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it's really about Crazy. experimenting. Just, just have fun with it. But yeah, it's just it's a form of starch that enzyme it need enzymes to break it down and it's all fermentable and good. So just watch your pH. And are you like do you have to physically break it up or anything? Or are you just like um, well, I imagine you definitely have to because you're working with like full baker's loaves, yeah. right? We've got big loaves, so we just break it up. Yeah, you need to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's almost like um, we just need to kind of break the, like let the let the liquid into the middle kind of thing, and then the it just does it does the job itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically because it, it doesn't really just the crust. The crust is kind of sits there floating on the end. So if you break it all up, just let liquid get in, and the enzymes work do their magic. That's very very cool, mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, for those of you at home listening, if you end up trying something like this, I expect to see photos tagged. <laughs> or descriptions or something tried i'm gonna to have to try it at some point in time if i do i'll um i'll hit you guys up as a phone a friend uh in a video too if you guys are cool with that we can um, yeah for we sure. can make plans later on <laughs> all right guys so so uh one last time before we go anywhere uh give us your social media uh handles and your website address yeah so um on instagram hang 10 distillery so 10 with one zero and on website hangtendistillery.com.au awesome oh thank you so much for doing this guys i really appreciate it and uh i gotta say guys uh, if you get hold of this bottle definitely try some with uh, dry ginger ale and orange that's pretty banging (laughs) all right team thanks heaps good to talk to you thank you so much